Hello friends and welcome to Talking Transformative Love. Love is in the air. The podcast that talks vocation, love and mission. Celebrating the valiant woman that was Mary Ward. I'm Joanne Carter, your host. Before we get into this episode, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country, all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people across Australia, paying our deepest respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Welcome everyone. Today on our podcast, we have Hannah George, who is the EO of Mary Ward International and spent has spent uh, over 10 years in leadership roles. Uh, your passion is obviously social justice and you have this drive for making change in the world happen. Uh, and I'm sure in this podcast, we'll get to know more about what that looks like and what it means for you. But um, what I'm intrigued uh, about, Hannah, is where does this passion for social justice come from? Hi, Dwan. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Aberystwyth, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's one of those questions, isn't it? You want there to be a definitive moment where you're like, this is why, or a definitive experience where you're like, this is why I'm yeah, driven. like this was the day. My calling, this is what happened to me, or this is I what I it. saw. Yeah, and, and therefore. But I, yeah, it? I've never sort of, I, you know, when you're asked this question, like, where does it come from? Yes. And particularly, you know, from a non-selfish way, like, why do I feel this way? And I, I've been reflecting on this question for today, thinking, you know, the childhood, how were you brought up? Yeah. Why do you, I think, um, you know, there's some anger or there's, you yeah. know, frustration inside that you want out. So I think, um, I was thinking about this, thinking, you know, my mom, my parents got married very, very young. Yeah. And it yeah. was because they had to. My parents were only 18. Yeah. And they left their town by 28. I think my mum had four kids. Yeah. You know, and so my dad yeah. wasn't around very much. Oh. So you're brought up in that environment. It's yeah. a very matriarchal environment where, but it's also that one like, pull up your socks and get on with things. Yeah. Like my so mom's, that's what you, your mum yeah. was like. Yeah. She's like, we're going, my, a good philosophy my daughter and I laugh about it. It's like, she just, something goes wrong in your life and she'll look at you and she'll go, well, that's life. Yeah. Suck it up. <laughs> suck and it just up. Move that's on. life, you know, but she's also very compassionate but it's and she doesn't like people, you know, talking yeah. badly about people or being helpful or whatever. So I think you're in that kind of environment by the time I started going, you know, to school and high school and learning more. Yeah. Where did you grow up, sorry? In Australia. Oh, in the US for yeah. a bit and then in Australia. Wh- my, my parents are Kiwis. Okay. Oh. So they like yeah, to, yeah. You're the second Kiwi we've had for this podcast. We're taking over. Yes, you are. <laughs> and they travelled around a lot in America and from job to job yeah. with young kids and ended up here. And, you know, at that time, I'm giving away my age a bit, in the 70s or early 80s, you had a lot going on in the world, you know, I suppose Mandela was just this icon, apartheid existed, East Timor, it was all free, East Timor, you had, I think we were still feeling the effects of, well, we were in the Cold War, Yeah. so you had that issue, you always thought there was going to be a nuclear attack, all the movies were about it, but also um, that fallout from the Holocaust, I think, you know, it was still very strong because it'd yes. only been a couple of decades yes and people's you know you had all my friends were first generation Australian yeah. they all came from European backgrounds who had fled because of the war so yeah. there was that you know grandparents thing and so you, it's basically world 
world events that kind of really shaped um, your, I don't know, your passion. for Passion. I was very interested in that. But also I think what you're experiencing in your own life. Yes. Like Mm. whether you're... You know, there was one. Like what's happening on like, um, we'll go back to, there's one thing that you said about the church, the experience of church Mm. and being, I don't know if I could say this, you might want to rephrase it, but being pushed away in a sense, um, that would have really triggered this sense of this is an injustice. Yeah, I think, I mean, you learn it later on. Your family, um, there's that history and that idea of, we never talked about religion. Yes. Ever. In, or, in, or the, in the, in the, in the home, yeah, never, yeah, okay. never. But if I went to stay with my grandmother, I would want to go to church. And I wanted to go to church until at one time she told me to stop singing so loudly because it was embarrassing. So then I stopped going. To, I was like, <laughs> and once I stopped off to Sunday school, because I wanted to know what this was about, but it was very, yeah. very not in my space. It wasn't, yeah, it probably wasn't meeting your worldview at that point or... It just wasn't in our, like, it just was never brought up. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting because when we talked about um, your upbringing and uh, you talked about this matriarchal figure, which is your mother, um, y- you, you know, you brought up this uh, these things about um, church and about, I think the first thing you said was anger. Like there's this yeah, sense of sense of anger. being angry is what drove me to be an ad, you know, an um, activist in a sense. It yeah, you had to kind of fight. I, I felt like as a child, you had to push to be heard, especially yeah. as a girl. So there's like one yeah. one situation in my head, which is quite um, always definitive for me. Where at primary school, we always would play soccer at lunchtime, ah. and we played soccer. That I one that one lunchtime, I went down and went to play, and the boys were there, and they said, "We've decided girls can't play anymore." Oh. And that was it. Oh. And my reaction wasn't very positive. No. Because I might have splintered his shin after that because <laughs> I lashed out because I was angry. Yeah. I always felt that in people's daily life. People weren't treated equally. Yes. Yeah. And then yeah. the broader your worldview becomes, the more you feel that some have more than others. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. what drives me and that passion for that, you know, people to be treated fairly or equitably. Why do yeah. some have more than others? Yeah. And and it's interesting because that's these are the conversations we've been having this morning is about I was having a conversation with Darcy McCormick and we talked about young people's desire for authenticity and uh, justice. There's this like um, we're angry because there is an injustice mm. and, and young people now are actually angrier about the injustice. I think so. I think there is this movement happening around this is not fair so we need to do something about it. Uh, I'm not saying that it's always effective the way that we address these, you know, injustices, but there is this sense of like, and and speaking to also Jen earlier, we're talking about millennials, and and this this anger that we have about this is this is not right, this is unfair, and and we we you know almost we get trapped in it really because we can't see, uh, sometimes we can't see a way out of it, mm. um, but it's interesting because anger is a good thing actually. Because it's what drives that um, that change. You know, obviously, anger expressed in the right way is, is a good thing. Mm. Um, and I think sometimes we're brought up to think, to I guess, to think that anger is not always a good thing. Or like, calm down. Yes. You don't need to be so angry. Don't be so angry. I think I, I agree with what you're saying. The younger generation 
are more vocal about injustices against them and those that have had, haven't had a voice yes. before. Yeah. So you might be from a minority or you might be trans or you might be yeah. gay or you might be from Afghanistan or yeah. living with a disability. They now have a voice and it comes out as angry. Yeah. And and that can be confronting. In my last job, that came out quite a bit because people were being given a platform, groups that hadn't had it before, and on the staff as well. It had been a you know, traditionally white, upper-middle-class organisation that had, um, you know, most people had studied a law degree or something. They were the well-off running this. Yeah. And then, you know, groups were coming in saying, no, we should be part of your human rights movement. This is what we should be doing. And yeah. then it represented as anger, which, you know, then yeah. you, you, you put your, people up in their back up. And yeah. it, it's hard to go, well, actually, you're talking about me. This is me. Get, you're giving me the voice. Now, shut yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, shut up and let me. It's let me in. It's me and, now. And that's what I find yeah. interesting. Yesterday I was um, I went out to brunch to um, Albert Park with, with a friend. And as um, she and I were having conversation, I heard these three women who were sitting on another table and these three women, um, you know, let's say they were in their 50s or whatever, um, and they were talking about what kind of social media stuff that they have to do to, I don't know what company they owned or whatever, but they were talking about, uh, you know, views and what goes viral. And I just thought this is a language of, you know, 15, 16-year-olds. But they were using that as a way to communicate what they needed to communicate. This is the way to um, engage people is to see what they're really passionate about and go from there we'll put anger aside for a second <laughs> but so one of the things we have been asking our participants uh is the belief system or philosophy that shaped your childhood and continues to shape who you are today i think like i was saying i can't quite pinpoint that framework or structure that's spiritual it was almost more practical it was yeah. you get on with things you contribute mm. you work hard <laughs> yeah yeah you know yeah. nothing comes on a platter you work hard and do you think that working hard is the philosophy of today's generation I would say that coming generation, very different. I found sort of 10 years ago there were different expectations yes. from a younger generation yeah. about what their rights were in the workplace while well, I might just be grateful yeah, yeah <laughs> you know yeah. it felt very different and that causes attention as well it does yeah. and I, I you know in the same time it's I think it's exciting um that we have uh, a generation now that is expecting particular things it's about meeting them it's about meeting them where they're at what, what would you say your philosophy is? Besides from working hard, I don't think that's your philosophy. <laughs> I think it might, it might be. be. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would be, I don't know. The, the, I mean, when we had this yeah. conversation online. Yeah, bringing the big man down, we isn't talked, it? <laughs> 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 We're talking about God. Um, <laughs> no, not God. No, not God, the man in the cloud. No, um, no, no. Talking about what really gets you up and going in the morning. You know what? I don't know. I mean. Yeah, it's yeah that drive what inspires to, you? To, yeah, I, I suppose we were talking about it. It's, it's, I'm driven by bringing the big man down. It's that inequality. Yeah. Oh, yes. It's that inequality. It's how some have more and others have nothing yes. and, and sharing those. And it's a real structural thing as well. So, you know, while we might be doing our little 
bit as as Marywood International Australia. It's a whole global structural economic system, yada yada yada, yes. that's created it how how it is. You know, yeah, it, yeah. And it's, it's the patriarchy. It is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's the systems and the structures that prevent us from doing particular things. Like at the moment, I'm writing a um, a minor thesis, and and my paper is on incarceration of youth in Australia, and. And that's you can't say youth are incarcerated because there's nothing for them to do. Or they that's, were bad. Or they were bad. Or yeah. Uh, or they. Uh, you know. It's it's actually about where are they coming from? What's this? The culture that they're coming from? What's the um, economic structure that they're coming from? And all those generations, and that's exactly. And it, where's and, that sense of hope? Yeah, yeah. And I, I was reading this thing about structures, and they said, and they were saying something like the systems and the structures that we've put in place are actually they only serve a particular group. Yep. And that's the middle class. Yeah. And then everyone else kind of well, middle and upper class. Upper, and then, yeah. then you've got well, what happens to people who are not? out of those classes or different cultures and different races. And, yep. and now we've got, you know, um, thankfully this this idea of, well, now we've got different uh, gender groups. Yep. Uh, yep. Well, where, where's the system? How yep. is the system, the system speaking yep. for them? Yeah. Well, those in power will still be clinging to it with all their might. Yeah. And I think we probably, you know, we look at that, look at America just as an example. It's an obvious example, but Trump and that whole yeah. make America great again. And it was, you know, bringing on that white lower class, you know, group with them yeah. because they felt they were losing what they had or people fear refugees or migration because they think they're going to lose what they have. Yeah, yeah. People don't like that. No. That feeling. So you would say that your um, philosophy is, is looking at bringing the big man Bring the big man big down. Is bring the big man down. in a very subtle way. And a George philosophy. No, but it's it's. It, um, I think that's what Mary Ward people try to do is make that uh, social change happen. We might do it in small ways, but I think we're we're on the right track. We're we're doing yeah the education, best we can. education. Like that's one oh one Mary Ward, isn't it? Girls having an education. Yes. Without yeah. that, you know, you just don't have the same opportunities no, as everybody yeah. else. Exactly. Yeah. So we've had um, a conversation uh, prior to this, but you are currently reading Victor Franklin's book, Man's Man's oh, Man's Search for Meaning. Tell me more about that book and what yeah. are you learning from it? Have you finished reading it? No, I haven't actually, but uh, almost. <laughs> I'm halfway through. So it's interesting that it's called Man's Search for Meaning mm. because that's just indicative of what we were talking about anyway because yes. it's actually about people's human Search, search for, for meaning. meaning. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He was a doctor, Polish background. When he was in his thirties, ended up in Auschwitz and Dachau yeah. as a prisoner. Yeah. And so he's telling the story. He's obviously because he's got a psychology background. Mm. He's surviving, you know, the most horrendous conditions. Yeah. He's analysing his own behaviour and those around him and mm. their behaviour. And, and instantly the dynamics and the social structures even amongst the prisoners and you have those that have the power, I think they're called the capo, capos, 
and they, you know, have been in the camp for a long time and they get more food and they, you know, get to rummage through yeah. the bags when people arrive on the trains. And, mm. you know, there's this whole hierarchy within the prisoner system. And he's talking about that, but he's analysing also how people cope because he talks about how when everything's stripped away and you're in those conditions, you you are just about survival. Yeah. You are just about where's that next bit of bread coming? Yes. And how do I not end up in the gas chambers? Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe that's where, and, and very few, he said, actually just gave up. You yeah. know, we can all recall those photos of people lying in beds, you know, completely emaciated, death's door, yeah. you know. What he gets to is this idea that no matter how much your external environment will control these things, yeah. you will always have freedom spirit. Yeah. You will always have your what's going on in your brain, you know, yeah, yeah. mentally, psychologically, you have control of that. Someone else can't control that. No. So, no. so that's how you get through these things that you can yeah. think thoughts in your head. You can think about your, he thinks about his wife who she's at another side of the camp. He doesn't know if she's alive or not, yeah, but he yeah. remembers the good times. Um, you know. So like environment doesn't completely shape yeah, shape you that you yeah. become so I, I can't think of another word right now but base you know where it's just about survival yes um you will steal someone dies and you will steal their shoes or he gets to the point where there was cannibalism yeah yeah so you'll get to that point mm. that's yeah wow <laughs> yeah so he's doing that from that perspective and then he's still about the second half of the book is developing the psychology around that so it's like you know in the school of freud etc yes. like what you can control and what your environment controls but how he talks about that's where meaning or purpose is is in your head or yeah or in you, you. control you that carry in your you, own in you meaning yeah and even yeah. like you can be you know because they were all in working work groups and you know had to toil all day in the yes. mud and dig things and how mm. you could just stop and you could see outside and the most beautiful sunset rolling over the swiss alps or things yeah. like this and you could just appreciate that beauty still even though you were in like a circumstance that none of us you know, yeah, and I think imagine. that's important for young people because I was um, I was listening to this podcast and it was talking about the Black Lives Matter movement and and the fact that it's actually always been there, but social media gave it that prominence, you know, and and that young people, uh, although their environment doesn't is not really. Um, I guess, you know, positive or they're bombarded with, with all this news. You know, if, if we look inside of us, there is this source of energy that we need to utilize. And it doesn't have to always be uh, dependent on environment. So I think it's a good thing for young people to, to come to realize that, is that how do we let our environment be our environment without it affecting us so much in terms of finding meaning and purpose? So I think that's a, that's a great book for for us all to read it, it and i guess now looking at meaning and purpose um our last question uh today which we we ask most of participants this is a little bit of uh mary ward homework for you no <laughs> um mary ward on her deathbed said let your vocation be constant efficacious and affectionate um i suppose what what do they mean to you those three big concepts 
Yeah, I think it rings true for me. It's that idea of, you know, you've developed this vocation, this purpose in life that you or something you want to be involved in. And I'm fortunate enough to have been involved in, in it through various different organisations yeah. and volunteering and, and life choices that you can have that experience. And it's not it's not always centred on yourself or, yes. you know, profit or something, but you're outward looking yeah. is satisfying and doing that with other people. Yeah. I mean, working yeah. from home is challenging because of that. You're not doing it with other people. Yes. Um, sending emails or talking on Zoom. I think that's um, that's important. I was reading, and like I was saying, you know, you got to smell the roses and you've got to do it with lightness in your heart. Yeah. You know, because otherwise it'll eat you up. Yes. Because um, the world's not great. You no, know, there's no, a lot of yes. bad things out there. And I, I was reading the book last night and I got to a bit and I, I wrote it down, but now my computer's oh, not no. But it was something like um, the author and they were digging a trench with one of the other prisoners and it was the sunset and they were looking at it and the fellow prisoner turned to him and said something like, oh, just, you know, you can see through this how beautiful the world could be. Yes. You know, and it's that idea of what it could be. Yeah. And, and everyone being part of that. Mm, so like living uh, and doing what we need to do. To make hope. it the fully beautiful place that we want it to be. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I and I think that's what I I feel that younger people are trying to to live that to say we want the world to be a beautiful place. Better I guess everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they try. <laughs> um, now looking at the word affectionate, uh, we had a um, uh, yep. we had a conversation with, with Deirdre Brown before you and she said that she prefers the word loving because uh, loving is more uh, in a, I suppose it's more action based. Is she correcting Mary Ward? She I think she is. <laughs> but she said Can you do that? In fairness, <laughs> it's a it's 400 years old so <laughs> She's rewriting history. <laughs> she thinks it's loving. Yeah, I suppose I saw them as synonyms, like you know, yeah. with affection, with feeling from your heart or your spirit, like you know, open. Yeah, 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 and just giving, giving, yeah, giving, to... and constant, like you know, it it is. It's in would be in everything you do. Yeah, and it's a commitment. Yeah, I see the word constant as commitment. As commitment, okay. You know, you you commit even if you don't know what's. Uh, even if you don't see the end result, yep. you commit anyway. Like I don't mean to give you biblical stuff, but no, it's um, okay. But you know, like sowing the <laughs> seed, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You, you may never see yep. the results yeah. of that particular seed, but it's it's about doing it anyway. We may not see the growth of the roses, you know, minute by minute, but we but we know they're there. Well, Excellent. thank you, thank you. It's Joanne. been a pleasure. Good to have you.